Today's the third Sunday of Lent, and we uh, read the story of the prodigal son today, the parable. Uh, and the parable, of course, is not an actual story that happened. It's just a story that Jesus tells to make a point, to illustrate something. And of all the parables that Jesus told, this one stands out. Um, history has shown this one to be the greatest of all the parables. And it's like in one story, everything is captured um, about the relationship between God and man, and between man and man. And the, the chapter of uh, St. Luke, chapter 15, it starts, the story starts with Jesus sitting with tax collectors and sinners. And of course, the Pharisees do their normal thing where they kind of murmur about him. And then Jesus tells three parables back to back after they react this way. The first is the parable of the lost coin, and then the parable of the lost sheep, and then the parable of the lost son. And so he just kind of tells these three parables back to back. And so the first question is, who am I in this parable? And the, the answer is, I'm always the prodigal son. We need to be the prodigal son. We can never be anything but the prodigal son. And salvation is found in being the prodigal son. And so a few weeks ago, if you remember, we talked about the idea of repentance and how Lent is all about repentance. And we said that repentance has two parts. The first part is I, I stop looking to the left, but the second part is I look to the right. And this parable is such an important illustration of how repentance happens in us. Uh, of course, we've heard many sermons, I'm sure, on repentance and the, old, the, younger, the prodigal son and how he repented and how he's a model of that. But today, I was hoping to meditate on the older son. And I wanted to talk through this parable because it's a lesson to us on how important repentance is to both sons. So when we look at the parable, obviously God is like the Father, and he's continually seeking us out, and he desperately wants us to join him in this eternal banquet. And then there's a party, and there's dancing, and that's kind of the imagery. However, some of his children refuse to come to this party. And like the elder son, they choose to remain in isolation, sulking, alone, even though the party is happening, even though they've been invited, it's open to them, they choose the opposite. They don't want this communion with God, even though the Father is seeking after them. They choose to exclude themselves. And such people have chosen to make this prison of self-aloneness and self-isolation rather than the joy of communion with God. So the first thing we notice about the older son is he didn't come out to visit his brother. And he was upset with his brother. And further, he was upset with his father for loving his brother. In short, he had no love, no love at all, either for his brother or for his father, or for anyone for that matter. And so St. Simeon has this beautiful quote. He says, love has bliss in it, but hatred has despair, bitterness, grief, affliction, wickedness, agitation, confusion, darkness, and all the other interior conditions which compose hell. So here, the saint's telling us that hell is a state of despair, bitterness, grief, wickedness, affliction, agitation, darkness. And when I think of the older son, I realize that many of these adjectives apply to him. And a few of the fathers talk to us about what hell must be like, what it is and what it isn't. It's very hard to know, of course. And sometimes we hear things like, it's a place where God isn't. But of course, God's everywhere. And we know that God's love. So it means that God's 
with the people in hell and he's loving the people, even the people in hell because that's his nature. And so what love, what happens in hell is God's love, instead of giving these people bliss, it burns them. And so we know that God still loves these people. And so how do I reconcile this? How do I reconcile that I think of hell as this bad place where the devil runs around in tights and he pokes people with pitchfork with this idea that God is love and God is loving these people and that he loves even the people in hell. And so one of the fathers, St. Isaac the Syrian, talks about the story of the prodigal son and he says maybe it helps us understand just a little bit. He says, look at the older son and this might help us understand what hell is like. The older son, he lived in his father's house. Everything in it belonged to him. The father loved him. He had his father's love. And his father came and begged him to join them in the banquet. So what made him so miserable? Why was he burning with bitterness and hatred? Why wasn't he happy when his, father, when his brother returned? Was there anything stopping him from joining the party other than his own bitterness? So St. Isaac basically says that the, it was love that burned him. When he saw his father's love, it burned him. And maybe that's the fire of hell. And so I'll read you this quote. He says, Did his father or even his brother stop loving him? It is absurd to assume that the sinners in hell are deprived of God's love. Love is offered impartially to everyone. But by its very power, it acts in two ways. It torments sinners, as happens here on earth, when we are tormented by the presence of a friend to whom we have been unfaithful, and it gives joy to those who have been faithful. So he continues, this is hell, the negation of love, the return of hate for love, bitterness at seeing innocent joy, to be surrounded by love and to have hate in one's heart. This is the eternal condition of those who are damned. They are all dearly loved. They are all invited to the joyous banquet. They are all living in God's kingdom and no one expels them. And even if they wanted to go away, they couldn't leave from God's presence or from his love. So when we think about this condition, the question I have for you is, have you ever met someone who's in hell? Someone who has the negation of love, the return of hate for love, bitterness at seeing innocent joy, to be surrounded by love and to have hate in one's heart? We've met people like this. Do they seem happy to you? I'll ask you a more personal question. Have you ever been in that state? Were you happy? So what's a loving father to do when his children choose this state? A father who doesn't want their children to suffer like that, to have that kind of bitterness and anger and resentment and remorse. So let's go back to the older son. How did he get like this? Why is he in a living hell? Why did his relationship with his father devolve to such a point that he was like this? And the answer comes in his response. What did he say to his dad? You never gave me a goat to make merry with my friends. You never gave me a goat. What does that mean? Well, a loving dad gives me things. And this dad never gave me the goat that I wanted. But you gave the fatted calf to this other son. And so it must be clear you love him and you don't love me as much. Simply, he didn't think his dad really loved him. 
Because when he, he kind of called his dad out and said, you never gave me a goat. And this lack of feeling of being loved, even if it's just perceived, destroyed the older son and his relationship with his father. It was the root cause in all of this. Last week, uh, Abuna Krilos made this statement that Lent has a lot to do with identity. He told us this great meditation. He says, you will never know who you are until you know whose you are. You will never know who you are until you know whose you are. And he pointed out that the first thing God did, God the Father did, was he said to Christ, this is my beloved son. He wanted to identify him. And so the first thing Satan makes us question is, are you really the son of God? He did that with Jesus. He said, throw yourself, if you really are the son of God, throw yourself over this jump off the cliff and the angels will catch you. And that's the first thing he gets us to question too. If he's really your father, then he's going to give you things. And Jesus' identity was always that of his father. He said, I have no will apart from my father who sent me. And Satan whispers in our ear over and over, is God really your father? And if you exist, show yourself. So let's go back to the older son. If you're my dad, then you'll give me a goat. If I'm really your son, you'll give me a goat. If you really loved me, you'd give me a goat. And that's my measure of love. You see, that's what I wanted. That's my definition of how God loves me. And it's kind of an Old Testament definition, if you will. Back in the Old Testament, when God loved people, he would give them you know, land and sheep and goats and cows and kids. I don't know if kids are a gift, but you know. And so, back then it was. Um, and so, Lent is about this time, and Abuna K mentioned this last week, is about being, becoming dependent, letting God be your dad. In fact, over and over during Lent, we repeat one hymn over and over that stands out, Our Father who art in heaven. It's like the church wants to reaffirm, let yourself be dependent. Focus on your identity. And yesterday he gave a talk called Abyss to Abyss at the Pope Carillo's exhibit. And he talked about two extreme deep holes, two extreme abyss. The depth of God's love on one hand and the depth of our weakness and nothingness on the other hand. And the Christian comes back to this identity of being in the middle of these two abysses. Right? The question is, am I a saint or am I a sinner? Which am I? Are you a saint or a sinner? You're both. Are you the temple of the Holy Spirit or are you just dust? You're both. Are you God's son or are you just a creature? You're both. And so one of the spiritual writers says, a healthy spiritual life is like balancing on a knife edge. And I like this expression. You can fall off either side. You can say, I am loved, therefore I must be worthy and be arrogant. Or you can say, I'm not worthy, therefore I can't be loved and have a low self-esteem. But the knife edge, the right place for the Christian to be, the right tension is, I am unworthy and, I'm a, and, and I am loved completely. I am unworthy and I am loved completely. That's where we live. So the actions of the older son come back to how he views himself. And how did he get like this? Because sometimes I feel like this. Sometimes I feel unloved. And sometimes I wonder whether God can continue to love me despite all the things I do. And Christ addressed this issue with another parable. When he was at Simon's house, if you remember, the icon in the very back corner of the church, 
He was at Simon's house and the sinful woman came and she, she dropped perfume all over his feet. And of course, Simon being a Pharisee got all judgmental as they tend to do. And so Christ told him another parable. He says two people had owed a certain moneylender, um, one owed 500 and one owed 50 denarii, and he forgave both of them. You guys know this story? And then he asked Simon, who's going to love him more, the person who forgave 500 or the person he forgave 50? And he said, probably the person who forgave 500. And he said, you have rightfully answered. And then he said something very interesting. He said, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. So we see that the older son loves little. So it must be that he was not forgiven much. He didn't feel loved because he was not forgiven much. Stated another way, the older son didn't repent. And season is the, the Lenten season is a season of what? Repentance. And so now here comes the other side of the story. We talk about the prodigal son all the time as the son who repented. But the older son is this person who didn't repent. And so now that begs the question of Lent, why does God want us to repent so badly? I mean, when we talk about the church, it's always about repentance. Go to confession. You have to confess. You have to repent. Lent is a season of repentance. Why? Why does God want us to repent? Is he, uh, is he looking for us to offset our debits and our credits, right? And we have to delete some of the negative things that we've done so that the, the thing balances out and we get to go to heaven. Is he a narcissist who just wants people to cower at his feet and repent and say, I'm bad, I'm bad all the time? Why does God want us to repent? Why does the church encourage us to repent so much? Well, the answer is in the older son. It's so that we feel loved. Repentance makes us feel loved. We feel God's love the most when we return to him and when we feel love in return. I mean, let me ask you something. When you think about your parents and interacting with your parents, when did you feel their love the most? Is it when they bought you something or is it when they forgave you after messing up? Right? It's, is it so much when they got you the car that you felt loved or is it when you crashed it and then they said, don't worry about it, it's okay? And they let it go. And that's when you really feel God's love. And when you really felt your parents' love is when they forgave you. And that's when you kind of look at them and go, oh, wow, these guys, these guys really love me. They let this thing go. So the older son was looking for this Old Testament love. So he never really felt love. And when he didn't get it, he questioned God's love, his father's love. And sometimes we can do the same. A spiritual writer says, God's love is absolutely unconditional. It isn't dependent on circumstances. It is eternal. There is nothing in you that can prevent God from loving and accepting you completely. His affirmation is the deepest ground of your being. God's love is a creative act. God doesn't love you because you exist. You, be, you exist because God loves you. And so the younger son, on the other hand, felt this real love because he was forgiven. And you never know how much God loves until you repent. And that's how we feel when we walk out of confession, isn't it? You walk out of confession and you feel like a million bucks. Why? Because that's when I feel how much God loves me. And so if the next question is, if he just had to repent, and then he'll feel love, and then he'll know his father's love, and then he'll know he's loved, why didn't he repent in the first place? 
I mean, if all these good things were going to happen to him, if he repented, then why didn't he? And the answer again comes in something the older son said, I have followed your orders all these years. Ah, there it is. You see, to him, he was a servant. He was a worker. He came to his father, and in the context of the church, he was one of the good people. He was one of the people that served, that did things. I've served you all these years. I've been faithful to you all these years. I've worked for you all these years. He was following orders. And this is something we do in the church a lot. We just kind of follow orders. And then we think of ourselves as good. I do all the things that I'm supposed to do in church. And when you're a good person, good person, you don't repent. And so when you don't repent, you don't feel loved. And here comes the worst part of the story. When you don't feel loved, you don't love others. Right? You know the old adage, um, you know, uh, abused as a child, abusive as a parent, not loved as a child, not loving as a parent. Well, when I'm not loved by God, I can't reciprocate God's love to other people. And so what we find is the people who repent the most, who are the biggest sinners, have the most tolerance and love for other people. And so that's the difference between the two brothers. It's not that one was a sinner and one wasn't. It wasn't even so much that one repented and one didn't. It's simply that one didn't know he was a sinner. One thought he was good because he was doing all the things he was supposed to do. And there is nothing more dangerous than that state. The state of serving, living in your father's house, and being good. I'll read you another quote. It says, The law itself is good, but the trap is this. If we take obeying the law as a condition for salvation, we are saying salvation comes from our own deeds. By the way, this is something the Protestants accuse us of, incorrectly, I hope, but that we think salvation comes from our own deeds, not from God's freely given love. The two modes of thought are directly opposed to each other. So let's summarize. Why does the older son hate? Sometimes we just talk about the older son. He's so bad. He's so bad. What a bad person. We can't be like that person. But the question is, why is he like this? Well, it's because he doesn't feel loved. Why doesn't he feel loved? He never repented. Why didn't he repent? Because he never became prodigal. So the only person that gets to go to the banquet the one that goes to the party, is the one who gets lost and comes back. And that has to be us. And so why do we repent again? So we can offset the, this column and that column and erase some bad things and hopefully the math works out that I get to sneak into heaven? No, not at all. We repent so that we know how much God loves us. That's why the church asks us to repent. It's the only reason. So it turns out that Lent isn't just the season of repentance where I tell God how bad I am, but the season where God tells me how much he loves me. And I'll, re I'll end with this last quote. It says, Mature Christians who have truly become children of God are those who have experienced their radical nothingness, their absolute poverty, being reduced to nothing. At the bottom of that nothingness, they have finally discovered the inexpressible tenderness, the absolute unconditional love of God. Human beings are more than the sum of the good they can accomplish. They are children of God, whether they do good or cannot yet manage to do anything. Our Father in heaven does not love us because of the good we do. He loves us for ourselves because he has adopted us as the children forever. Hopefully this season of Lent 
becomes a season of repentance and becomes a season for us to understand how much our Heavenly Father actually loves us. And glory be to God forever. Amen.